All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's great to have you in the house. Hey, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. And we want to say it every week, man, it is our privilege to have you here because we believe this is a place where life change happens, where God's presence is honored, and he changes hearts each and every week. Can we lose our mind for about five seconds and give God praise in this place? Listen, we want to welcome all of our first-time guests, our VIPs. We're glad that you're here. Maybe some of you for the first time, all of our Faith Church family, we're glad that you're here. We want to welcome Faith Church Lawrenceburg, man. Welcome. We're glad you guys are tuning in and being a part of our Faith family. So listen, man, recalls. Recalls are a part of all of our lives. You know, the more, the more items that you purchase, the more likely you are at some point to experience a recall. Recalls are those things that companies look at something they produce and it's it's not working the way it was designed. It's functioning poorly. It's creating issues. And so the company will call and put out a recall. Bring it back. It's not good. We've experienced recalls, right? Some of us, we've experienced recalls in food. I remember just, uh, just several weeks ago, um, you know, we are a goldfish family. I don't mean in a tank. I mean in a bag. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hickory Farms is in the house. And, uh, you know, I had some goldfish and just, I felt okay until like just that night I heard on the news there was a recall and then I felt sick. I thought maybe it's just a bad batch of goldfish. Uh, we've experienced recalls. Some of us on iPhones, y'all remember about a year ago, I think it was the galaxies, their batteries were catching on fire. So they recalled them. They're not safe. Bring them back. We'll fix them. Recalls. We experienced recalls on appliances at home, recalls on medication, Recalls, the biggest recall, we all know this, where is the biggest recall, right? It's in automobiles. In fact, this uh, several years ago, and it's still actually ongoing, Takata Airbags is an airbag manufacturer, put airbags in everything from BMWs to Chevys, and their air airbags, actually the CO2 cartridge that inflates the airbags upon impact, they found out they were, they were uh, poorly made, designed, they were exploding in the cab of the vehicle, shrapnel. Just, uh, just a travesty. It's literally been a $24 billion recall. The company's bankrupt. and So it's a big deal. A lot of us in this room, we've experienced recalls. But here's the thing for us. I know my wife and I, we've received recalls on several of our vehicles for different things. It just happens. And, you know, my life is busy a lot like, you know, yours. And so sometimes I'll get a recall notice and I'll just kind of glance it over. I don't read it. I just I skim read. Come on, we got any skim readers in the house? Just skim read. And, you know, you just need to get this checked out. And so... I got this recall notice, didn't really read it, just thought at some point I needed to do something with it. And so several weeks passed by, and I called the dealership, and the dealership said, you need to get this in as soon as possible. And I said, well, I'm kind of busy. You know, you have anything in the next two or three weeks? And he said, Mr. Husky, you don't understand. This is causing engine fires. And uh, just a week or two previously, an engine fire actually had ignited the entire vehicle, and a, a lady lost her life. And so he's like, you need to get this taken care of. So needless to say, I put the rest of my calendar on hold because catching on fire is not particularly appealing to me. And so, um, you know, I got it taken care of because here's the reality. Anytime that you continue to carry on with something that's recalled, you're putting yourself or other people at risk. And so today what I want to do is we step into week three of relationships and we talk about sex and dating. I, I want to issue some recalls on defective dating habits. I'm going to issue a recall on defective dating habits. Habits. So if you've been here through this series, Relationships, basically this whole series is a way to declare what God has made abundantly clear, that God wants us to experience relationships and for those relationships to be great relationships. Come on, everybody say great relationships. God wants you to have great friends. 
God wants you to find a, a great person to spend the rest of your life with. Now, I know the reality in a room this size and a church this large, a lot of us, we've been burnt by friends. People have gossiped and stabbed us in the back and turned their back on us. Some of us have gone through divorce and we've gone through difficult times and maybe you're bitter and you're left wondering, is relationship for me? Is there someone out there for me? And what we've done through this series, week one, we just talked about us getting ready that before you got to get in a relationship, you got to be ready for a relationship. That while God means you to have a relationship, the question is, are you prepared to have that relationship? That we got to go through the prerequisites that because if we take our issues into the marriage, into the relationship, it'll likely cause that relationship to fall apart. And if we'll go back and check that message out, God will outline very clearly in his word those prerequisites that we need to meet to get ready for a relationship. Last week, we talked about friends. Come on, everybody. Everybody in this room, this is what we said last week, that the greatest thing in this life you can have as a friend and you can be as a friend. In all of our pursuit in this world of stuff and homes and finances and careers, one of the greatest things you can find is one great friend. You don't have to be popular. Find a couple people that are in your corner, that have your back, that support you, encourage you in your call, and you'll have one of the greatest things that this life has to offer. And we get to reciprocate that as well and be a great friend. So next week, we're going to finish this series off with uh, marriage. So if you're here and you want a great marriage, you're in a marriage and, and you want it to, to last well, you don't want to be looked at by a divorce attorney, you want to be celebrated in heaven, then you want to be here next week for week four as we talk about marriage. But today, we came to talk about sex and dating. Woo! So we're going to talk about the recall. I'm going to hit you a recall on some unhealthy dating habits. So I'd encourage you to take notes. We're going to cover a lot of things, but I want to make today very practical, very relevant. If you are in the dating game, want to be in the dating game, if you are recently divorced and, uh, and you don't want to be single and you plan on getting back in the dating game, I want to help you get there. If you're married, don't take notes. It'll make your partner suspicious. <laughs> so... But all the rest of us, man, let's, uh, let's jump in. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to. Number one, you need to check the manufacturer. Is your mate made by God? Because here's what we know. Every recall that happens, it's not, it's not every airbag. It was just Takata, right? It's not every peanut butter. It was just Jif. It's not, it's not every cell phone. It's just Galaxy. When there is a recall, it doesn't affect every car. It, it affects a specific make or model. And if you're out and you're searching for that significant someone to spend the rest of your life with, I'm just telling you, you need to find who the manufacturer is. Who is the person that made the potential mate that you're investigating? Because if you hook up with the wrong person, you won't have the right relationship. If you allow an invite in to a person that's not been made by God, you're in trouble. And some of us know this. Here's what God said, Genesis 2.18. This is a verse that we've looked at throughout this series. Every voice here. Come on, y'all help me. Every voice. Lawrenceburg, read this out loud. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a who is Come on, God is saying, listen, don't settle for less. Don't lower the bar. Don't tolerate somebody that you don't, you don't really love just to have somebody. I want everybody in this room to know something, that the creator of the universe, the God of everything, he's got the power, the capacity, the love, and the ability to make a person just right for you. And when you settle for less, you miss his best. If we want it God's best, we got to do it God's way. Expect God to bring you, to put in your life, and for you to live with the one he made just for you. And if they're not made by him, come on, they can never be that person. And so you got to go through it, man. See, God has something to say about the person that we're going to do life with. 
the person you're dating, God has input on. Because here's what you need to know. Dating, you know what dating is? Dating is the things you do and don't do before you say, I do. Who you're dating now determines your happiness later. And so we need to make sure through the dating process that we understand really dating is mate selection. Anybody you date, you run the potential of marrying. So it's not, well, we're just going to hang out for a little bit and see where it goes. No. Hearts are a tricky thing. They will fall in love with somebody you didn't even think you loved. Next thing you know, you're married with them and don't even like them. <laughs> don't nobody amen that. <laughs> He's like, hey. Here's what God's word says. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. This is what God has to say about us making sure that the person in our life is made by God. He says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? A different translation, some of you who maybe have been in church for a while, the translation, a different translation says this, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Everybody shout yoked. It's not talking about hard-boiled or sunny side up. What Paul is saying is he's saying he's looking at somebody. He's saying a yoke is the wooden piece that connects two animals together to plow a field. And every animal has its individual pace and lumber. And he says if you hook up an ox with a donkey, they each have their own pace, their own direction, their own pull. And if you hook them up together, you're not going to get a straight harvest line. They can't pull together in unity. They can't pull together in the same direction. We don't know anything about ox and donkey probably here. So imagine this. Imagine hooking up a, donk, a, a cat and a dog. Picture. Right? They're not going to walk together. They're not going to go the same direction. And what Paul is saying is when you hook up with an unbeliever and you love Jesus, it's impossible to go the same direction in the same pace because you're hooked up with somebody who doesn't have the same heart, passion, and DNA that you have. Amos chapter 3 says this, how can two walk together unless they be in unity? If you're a Christ follower here and you love the Lord Jesus, it is important. The highest priority in your life is you find somebody who loves Jesus at least as passionately as you do. See, because if you're not in unity, how are you going to discipline your kids? Where will your kids be on Sunday morning? How will you handle your finances? How, you, how will you deal with situations? Will you fight about it or will you pray together? See, all of those things affect the partner that you have, so it's important that your mate is made by God. The question is, so how, how do you know? How do I know? I mean, you can't lift something up and look for a maker's mark. Well, you, you can, but <laughs> don't. <laughs> I'm just telling you, listen, how do you know? First of all, if you've been hanging out with them for any amount of time and you're not sure they're saved, they're probably not saved because it is obvious somebody who loves Jesus, it's a part of their language and their lifestyle. Come on, y'all got to help me today. But if you're not sure, then ask the question, are you saved? And you'll get a lot of crazy answers and you got to make sure. See, guys especially, men will tell women whatever they think they want to hear. You don't need to hear anything. You need to hear the right thing. Are you saved? Do you love Jesus? Are you saved? And some guys will tell you this, I believe in God. No, even the devils believe in God. That's not good enough. They'll tell you, well, I, 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 I've been saved my whole life. No, I got saved. I got, uh, I got born the same way I got born. I got reborn. I got born November 9th, 1971. I got reborn March 19, 1989, baby. I gave my life to Jesus at a specific time and place. When did you get saved? Where were you at? Tell me what happened. Did you cry? What song was playing? They'll tell you I'm spiritual. No, being spiritual is not the same thing as loving Jesus. I go to, I go to faith church. They'll drop that on you. Listen, 
Lots of, we got lots of people come to Faith Church, and we're glad you're here, but they don't all love Jesus. Being a Faith Church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Starbucks makes you a cappuccino. <laughs> Do you love Jesus? Ask the question. Ask the question. Uh, once you know that they love Jesus, here's another defective dating habit we need to tackle. Is Number two, you need to know your personal towing capacity. Every car has a towing capacity. How much weight can it pull? And I want everybody to know something. This is true. Every person's got baggage. When you date somebody, they got baggage, and you're bringing baggage. But what you need to know about who you are, and you need to find out how much weight can my relationship bear. Because everybody in this room, we all have a limit. And you might tell yourself, well, love will, love will overcome. No, it won't. You might love them now. You're going to hate them later if you don't figure out right now how much can I bear. And you need to figure out now before you fall in love with the wrong person. Here's a couple of things that contribute to the baggage that people bring in the relationship. Number one, people got family baggage. If you marry them, you marry their family. You want to know what your spouse is going to look like in 20 years? If it's a her, look at their mom. If it's a him, look at the dad. If you're like, good Lord, run now. I'm just telling you, DNA, baby, apples do not fall far from the tree. When I say look at family baggage, you need to look and see, honestly, is, is the guy you're dating, is the girl you're dating, do they come from a divorce background? Now, I know divorce is very common in our society, very common in our culture. However, what you need to know is if you are dating somebody and you eventually marry somebody who comes from a divorce background, it increases your rate and your possibility of divorce by 25%. I'm not saying you can't overcome that, but that's just some baggage that may possibly break down your vehicle if you're trying to tow that. You need to look and see. You need, listen, if they won't let you around their family, that's a warning sign. And if you get around their family, you need to be the person that talks the least. Just pay attention and take notes. How do they get along? How do they talk to each other? Does the dad yell at the, does the, dad yell at the mom? Does the guy you're dating disrespect his mother? Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? You need to pay, because all of that stuff, they're going to bring into the marriage. And so you need to pay attention to those things. Here's something that's really important about your potential mate, the person you want to date, the person you eventually may want to live with and do life with. You need to find out, are they close to their family? This is a double-edged sword. Here's why. If they're not close to their family, why not? They potentially got bitterness issues, family issues. It doesn't mean you can't love them. It doesn't mean you can't marry them. But that's baggage that they bring in, and it impacts your relationship. Your fam the family you marry into is a big part of your marriage. But here's the other, stick the other side of it. If they're close, if they are close, if you're dating somebody that's close to their family, the closer they are to their family, the more they better like you. I'm just telling you, if you're dating somebody that's close to their family and they don't like you, you're in trouble. Because it'll put that person for a lifetime in the middle of who they choose. I'm trying to, is anybody helping? Am I helping anybody today? Y'all getting real quiet like, man, it's too late on that one. <laughs> number two, number two real quick, temperament baggage. Everybody's got some, everybody in this room, everybody has a unique personality. We have unique attitudes. And some of us, we can't put up with certain types of attitudes. You need to know what kind of attitude you can tolerate. We need to know people's character. Every person you date has a specific temperament. You need to look at things like this. Some of the fruit of the Spirit, goodness. Are they a good person? Are they moral? Do they make moral decisions? Kindness. How do they treat the waitress when the dinner's late? Do they yell at them, cuss at them? Are they mean to them? Because here's what you need to know. You get your best behavior from the person you're dating early on. It's all downhill from there. Oh, come on, ladies. Help a brother out up here. 
first couple dates, they're opening the door and pulling up the chairs, and they're dressed nice. I'm by the fourth date, man. They're passing gas, shirts not tucked in, right? Come on. I mean, it's all. The, so if you don't like it in, in the early stages, it only gets worse. What is their temperament? What is their personality? How do they treat people? How do they respond to difficult situations? When someone cuts them off, how do they deal with it? Because if they lose their anger there, they're going to lose their anger in the marriage. If you're okay with that, that's okay. But you need to understand that's baggage. How do they communicate? If they don't open up now, they're only closing up more later. How was your day? Fine. If you're a talker and you need a talker, you better be willing to date somebody who's willing to open up and share. You need to ask yourself, communication style, are they a Tupperware or a terrorist? Do they stuff it all down? They don't ever talk, never open up, or do they explode on everybody? Those are communication styles. Those are things that affect relationships and affect the dynamic of your marriage that you're potentially going to get into based on who you're dating. Number three, financial baggage. Oh, come on, somebody. Everybody shout, money matters. Money matters. You need to just start, listen, you just need to start listening them off. Do you have a job? Is it a full-time job? Where is that job at? If I go there, will you be there? Can I see a pay stub? Do you have a W-2? Can I see tax forms from last year? Do you have a house or do you rent? Or do you live in your mom's basement? How much student debt do you have? I'm telling you, the number one tension on relationships are financial tensions. I'm not telling you don't marry anybody that has all their, all their act together financially. But you need to understand all of these things contribute to the potential health of your marriage. It's stuff that you need to do. It's questions you need to ask. You need to look seriously, uh, qu honestly, questions that I ask young married couples or young couples that are about to get married. Anybody that's ever gone through premarital counseling, and there's a lot of couples in this room know this. Week number three, we prepare by getting ready for week number four. We talk about finances. Before that couple leaves my office, this is what I tell them. Go home, sit down together, and each of you pull a financial credit report on each other. Well, why do we got to do that? Because finances matter, and you better believe it. If you're dating somebody that's got a bunch of debt and a low credit score, you are going to suffer for life. I'm not saying don't marry them. I'm not saying they're no good, but you better believe it's going to be hard to buy a house. You're going to pay a lot more money for car insurance. You're going to fight the financial stress. You need to know what is your tow capacity. If you can handle that and you're good with that, then go with that. But if it's going to be too much for you, it's better to find out now they're in debt than to find out when it's too late. I wish y'all got to amen me. Come on. I'm, this is practical stuff. You're saying, Pastor, can we ask these questions? Absolutely. Listen, you don't go buy a car and just jump in whatever the salesman wants to sell you. Don't just jump in the relationship of the vehicle of whatever that person's trying to sell you. Pull the car facts. Where have you been? How many mileage really is on your car? Have you had some accidents? <laughs> Which leads me to number four, relational baggage. Relational baggage. The best questions you can ask is, is what kind of relationships has this person come from? One of the questions I ask uh, couples who are getting married, I ask them a couple questions. Number one, how many significant relationships have you been in before this one? And it's funny how much they will minimize now what is significant. Well, I mean, not many. Here's what I ask. Have you dated anybody more than six months? Well, yeah, I dated this one girl for two years, and I dated another girl about 18 months. That's significant. Why are you not with them now? And it's, it's, I'm telling you, every time, why are you not with them now? You dated them two years. Why didn't it work out? She was crazy. <laughs> really? Is that what you said 19 months in? No, you loved her. Something happened. And then I'll ask them this question, and I ask them, I don't care what the answer is. I want the person sitting next to them to hear the answer. If they were sitting here, why would they say you broke up? Oh, that's a good answer right there. 
Those are questions. I'm telling you, you need to troll social media. You need to look around. Where's he at? Where's the pictures taken at? How many guys are hitting on him? How many girls he connected with? That is all stuff, all baggage that contributes to the weight of the relationship that may potentially break down the marriage. Find out what's going on, relationships they've been in. How many people have they slept with? All they can do is lie. It's worth the ask. Number three. Number three, defective dating habits. Week one, we talked about that through this process, we have a destination. Our destination are great relationships. Week one, we talked about understanding what our starting point is. Where are you at emotionally, physically, financially, relationally? Where are you at? And then we're talking about today right here, we'll talk about the journey. I believe with all of my heart that God has a journey for all of you to find the significant other that he has for you. But you've got to follow the road signs if you're going to get there. So let's go through a couple of these road signs. Number one, slow slow to know. Don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush to get married. Don't be in a rush to get a ring on your finger. Don't be in a rush out of the gate. Slow to know. Take your time getting to know somebody. Don't say, I love you too soon. Don't give away anything too early. Wait slow. Number two, come on, y'all got to help me up here. Stop. Stop. Don't anticipate or don't accept behavior that's unacceptable. Stop it. If they're treating you bad, break up with them. If they cheated on you, quit making excuses for them. Stop putting up with unacceptable behavior because if you're getting it in the dating relationship, you're going to have to put up with it for life in the marriage relationship. Listen, you should never accept behavior that you wouldn't want from one of your girlfriends or boyfriends. You would never want to put up with behavior that you wouldn't want for one of your kids who are eventually going to be dating. Stop putting up with unacceptable behavior. There are lots of fish in the sea. Boot that one, throw it overboard, and stick the line back in the water, and God will bring you the right one. Come on. Yield. Yield, 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 yield. This world will tell you to follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. It'll get you in trouble. Come on. Some of you got TVs on the wall, cars in your driveways you can't afford because you was following your heart. Some of you are brokenhearted because you dated people following your heart. The Bible says that our hearts are corrupt. They're wicked. No one can know it except God. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. He will lead you. He'll speak to you. He'll prompt you. Yield to God. But God, I love him. He's the right one. God's like, no, he's not. Quit arguing with me. Listen, yield to God. Another road sign. Oh, I like this. Oh, this is my favorite. <laughs> Y'all use your imagination where we're going real quick. You know what this means? This means curves ahead. That means generally you're on a straight road, and for a very short section of the road, it's going to get curvy. Then it's going to straighten out again. This is the physical side of relationship. She's got curves now, but it's going to straighten out later. <laughs> I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that chemistry is important. I think you should be attracted to the person. I don't think you should talk yourself into love. But I'm, if you're marrying them because of all the, all the streamlines she has now, I'm telling you, hail damage is coming. If you're marrying him for six-pack abs, listen, there's a spare tire in his future. Muscles and million-dollar smiles don't last forever. Come on, all the over 40, amen me. Amen. Amen. Don't marry for curves. They will go away. Marry for character. Character lasts forever. 
Oh, Lord. I could do this all day. <laughs> now, I told you go slow. But at some point, put a ring on it. Or let me go and move on. If you've been dating someone two, three, four, five, six, Listen, am I the one or not? If I'm the one, let's make some plans, let's make the decision, and let's move on. If not, dead end. People who live on dead ends aren't bad people. They're just the wrong person for you. That road is going nowhere. You need to be willing to back out, get back on a fresh road where you can get to your destination because your destination is the right relationship for life. And last one. No U-turns. Today, I'm going over some defective dating habits. Y'all need to make the decision. I'm not going back. I'm not going back into that relationship. I'm not going back into that habit. I'm not going back into the bedroom. I'm not going to back an unhealthy day. I'm going to stay on the path that God has for me because it's going to get me to my destination of a lifelong relationship that's right for me, that's the best for me. I want God's best. Come on, does anybody here want God's best for them? And you got to do it God's way. Number four, if you're taking notes, number four, stay out of the back seat. I told you I was talking about sex, and here it comes. Sex. Can I just tell you, listen, this, I mean this with all of my heart. God wants incredible sex for you. God created sex. We live in a world right now that wants us to believe that God is against sex, God hates sex, God is approved, like the devil's got the best plan for you, ignore God and do it the devil's way. I'm just telling you that is upside down. The devil did not create sex, he corrupted sex. God has the, come on everybody, listen to me, I want you to know something. God has the patent for sex on his office wall. God is the one who created it. He knew what was going to happen when he made Adam and then he made Eve and they were together nude in the garden. God knew what was coming next. Come on somebody. Proverbs chapter 15 says this, that we're to love the wife of our youth and let her breasts satisfy you forever. Somebody like, yeah, you don't see Proverbs 15 on many t-shirts, do you? Our next set of merchandise, it's going to be on the men's shirts. We're going to have bumper stickers and hats. Can you imagine little old ladies coming up and more? Proverbs 15, that's in the Bible, right? What's that verse say? <laughs> oh, we can go viral overnight. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, this is, this is God's opinion of sex and intimacy. God wants it to be great. God wants us to enjoy it. The problem is we are doing it outside of the boundary of the way God has created it. And that's why we're hurting from it instead of being helped by it. God wants to bless us through it. The devil wants to destroy us through it. And as long as you operate in sexuality and intimacy, the devil's way, it will always hurt you and leave you empty. Everything God created, God created with boundaries. And any time you allow that thing to get outside of the boundaries, it causes damage. Look, for example, in Genesis chapter 1, when God created everything, the Bible says that the earth was covered with water. And then God basically said, oceans, I want you to go over there, and land, I want you to go over here. God clearly defined 
the boundaries for the ocean. And as long as the ocean stays in the ocean, it's beautiful, it's pretty to look at, waves roll upon your feet as you sit on the shore at Gulf Shores. But as soon as the ocean comes onto the land, it creates damage. We just saw it last week at Hurricane Florence. So y'all hear me. Anytime you take what God created and it violates the boundaries, it causes damage. We sat last night with a group of friends eating dinner, great dinner, great friends sitting around. It was a beautiful setting. And there were two candles, uh, two tall candles and candelabras and about 15 other candles on the table. And it was beautiful because as long as fire is in a candle, come on, as long as fire is in a fireplace, it's beautiful. But if you take that fire out of the confines or out of the boundaries of the fireplace and put it in the middle of your floor, what meant to help you, warm you, and bring light to you now destroys your home. Are you all hearing me? And anytime you take sexuality and sex you and sex and intimacy outside of the boundaries God's created it, it will not bless you and help you. It will hurt you. Here are the boundaries. Watch this. Genesis 2.24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The boundaries for sexuality, great sex, is between one man and one woman in the context of marriage for life. And when you operate outside of those boundaries, you hurt yourself. And you say, how? Here's how. Number one, let's talk about pornography because it's a big deal. Pornography is saturating our culture. Currently, 37% of everything on the World Wide Web is pornography. One out of every four searches is for pornography, which means we are a sexually saturated generation, specifically our nation. People are sexting each other. People are jumping on Tinder. And it's just out of control. You might think it's just part of culture. Let me just tell you, outside of Christianity, outside of spirituality, let me tell you what sociologists are saying specifically about pornography and how it impacts people. Is that when you are a person that you live through pornography, you've experienced a lot of pornography, this appetite in you just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and it can never be filled. Because you go from person to person to person, click, 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 from position to position to position, from situation to situation to situation. And you set yourself up that one person can never satisfy you. One person. You are setting your marriage up. And you are setting, especially your guy, you're setting your wife up to fail. Because one person is boring. Because you're used to moving from person to person, color to color, tall, short, whatever you want. The appetite is there on the Internet. Statistics have been done. Studies have been done. And here's what they say. When you take two individuals that do not have experience in pornography and are virgins and move into marriage... Their sexual satisfaction is through the roof in marriage. But when you take people who do it the world's way, sleep around, practice, get good at it, try it out, make sure she's a fit, make sure she's good, make sure you're sexually compatible. Statistics say, science says, when you get two individuals who are sexual, uh, who, who are, who've got a lot of mileage on the dashboard, we were talking about a few weeks ago, you have someone who has a lot of experience sexually and you bring them into the marriage, especially if they have a pornographic background, they have a very hard time performing. Don't make you better. It hurts you. And man, pornography is such a big part of our culture. And if this is you, I'm telling you, you are setting your future relationship, the most rela significant relationship you'll ever be in outside of Christ with your marriage partner. You're setting yourself up for failure. But here's the other side is, man, is, is just sex itself. Here's what, here's what Jesus says, or what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is huge. Watch this. He says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? 
Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it? Everybody say those two words, join it to a prostitute. Never. Now stop. You're saying, Pastor, wait a minute. You're talking about pornography, not talking about prostitution. It's important we understand what he's talking about into the context of the culture that he lived. This letter is written to the, city, to the church in the city of Corinth. Corinth was a huge financial religious hub. It was one of the largest cities at that time in that area of the world. Um, and one of the ways that people worshiped their gods, obviously not Jesus, where there were local places where they would go and part of their worship was they would go and they would have sex with prostitutes. And so Paul is dealing with people that have come out of that lifestyle who are now following Christ, but and he's, he's recognizing, he's saying, hey, listen, when you sleep with somebody, he says, what you need to understand is when you go have sex with somebody, whether it's a prostitute, whether it's somebody you're dating one day you hope to get married, or whether it's your spouse, he's saying, what you need to know is every time you have sex with somebody, he says, you are joining together. Everybody say join. You're joining together. The word he uses for join is the same word for glue or cement. His audience, when they heard this, they thought, no, Paul, you don't understand. This, is just, this was just an old habit. It's just part of the way we used to worship the false gods, but now we love Jesus. It's no big deal. Paul's saying it's a very big deal. Sex is a very big deal. When you have sex with somebody, it's not just for fun. He's saying you are creating a soul connection like glue. And he says, every time you do it, you join together. And he goes on, he says this, verse 16. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one. The two are united into one. Now, I know we live in, a, in an email generation and text generation, but everybody in this room, we've seen envelopes before. Has anybody here, have you ever written a letter or wanted to put, put a bill in the mail, whatever it is, and you, you open, you know, you seal it up, and then you close it up, and then a few seconds later, you're like, oh, I forgot to put the check in it, or I forgot, right? And you have to open it back up. Anybody here ever do this before? You, and then what happens? You try to close it back up. That glue is never as effective the second time as it was the first time. God forbid you got to open it up a third time because you got to get the duct tape out now. Do you know why? Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying God intended for you to have a stickiness in your soul, that when you find the right person you're intended to do life with in the context of the boundaries of one man and one woman, the context of marriage for life, when you have sexual enemies with them, it is a glue. It is a cement that draws you together in a soul bond that's intended to last forever. And the more you violate that stickiness like on an envelope, when you sleep around, when you have a lot of sex before you get married, God is saying you're not making yourself more sticky, you're making yourself less sticky. Let me give you two applications. If you have sex with somebody you're dating, that's why it's hard for you to break up with them because you have this soul connection. They can be mean to you. They can cheat on you. They can treat you wrong and you still feel like you love them. Do you know why? Because you violated that boundary and your soul is stuck to them. So it makes it hard to walk away from the people you need to walk away from. But the other side, when you get married and you've had a lot of sexual intimacy and a lot of sexual relationships and you bring that into the marriage, now it makes it hard for you to connect to the person you should be connected to. So I just want you to know today, listen to me. God is calling you. He said, every time you sleep with somebody, it doesn't matter how close you are, how far you are, but he's saying it's a big deal because it makes you glued to them. And the more you glue and unglue, glue and unglue, it makes that glue ineffective to keep you stuck to the person you should be with for life. So here's what he says. Here's what he says. Run 
from sexual sin. I'm just telling you, ladies, stay public and stay in groups. Stay in the light. I'm for real. If he's like, just come in my house, man, I just want to show you something. He does want to show you something. Run. <laughs> Run from sexual sin. Every plan of a man to get you alone, he's got one thing on his mind. Run. I'm trying to help you out as your pastor. Y'all looking at me funny. Run from sexual sin. Sean and I, we dated five years before we got married. I had to beat her off with a stick for four and a half of them. I'm telling you. We barely made it. I'm like, baby, I'm telling you, we just need to hold the glue. <laughs> she made me promise I wouldn't use her name, and I just used it. <laughs> I know, right? If you're taking notes, you just need to write this down. You were designed to become one with one. You were designed to become one with one. This is a, this is a tulip, something that's very common in our culture today. There was a time, especially in the Netherlands in the 17th century, where it was unheard of. Nobody had heard of tulips Nobody had seen a tulip. It's not common to that part of the world. And a sultan from the Ottoman Empire sent one to that part of the world to Ferdinand. And it was such a beautiful flower. It was unlike any other flower in that part of the world. All of a sudden, overnight, it became sacred and beautiful and cherished. Some of you can look this up. It's used... Google tulip mania, because that's literally what happened. It was so precious that the cost of one and the value of one shot through the roof. People were buying these at the cost of that day. The, the currency was a farin, 5,000 farins for one tulip bulb. To put that in context, a mansion at that day cost 5,000 farins. Someone who was a good craftsman made about 300 farins a year. So 10 years wages for one tulip bulb. If you had one, people would come to your house and gather around. And they would just gaze. It was a thing of beauty. It was sacred. It was cherished. It was valuable. And then overnight, the market crashed. And then it was just a tulip. Everybody had one. They lost value. They lost importance. They lost significance. They lost a wow. In our culture... And I know culture shifts. I get it. But there was a time in our nation that sexual intimacy was guarded. And you were encouraged to wait until you're married. Wait until you're married. And that's not just this religious platitudes. It's saying, God's saying, I know what's best for you. God's not trying to keep you from something. He's trying to keep you for something. In the society and culture we live in, there was a time that it was cherished just like a tulip in the 17th century in the Netherlands. And overnight, something's happened in our culture. Everybody does it with everybody. It's no big deal. Sleep with who you want. Try them out. Take them for a ride. See how it goes. Sex who you want. Text who you want. Surf the internet. It's no big deal. And it's just become common. And I just want to invite us back to treat the gift that our Creator's given us as sacred and valuable and cherished and uncommon. Don't give your gift to just anybody. Wait until you find the right person who loved you enough to wait for you too. 
that on the night you spend together as husband and wife, you can give that gift. Now, if you've already crossed that boundary, God can forgive you. That's the great thing about the grace we have through Jesus. But wouldn't you rather experience the blessing of God instead of just the grace of God? So wherever you're at, I just want to challenge you to make a decision, man. I'm going to abandon defective dating habits. If you're here and you're already married, this is a great message for you to pass on to your kids or to friends who are dating. So if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I want to, I want to make sure that I have healthy dating habits for myself or my kids moving forward. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand. I want healthy dating habits. Come on. Father, I pray all over this house. God, that you'll help us. Father, we have adopted so many things from this world and it's hurting us. God, it's really keeping us from your best. It's hurting us and holding us back, God, from the relationship that you have for us. God, we feel this pressure, God, to move into relationship, to rush into relationship, to give ourselves away too early. But Lord, I pray all across this room, every person watching online, God, I pray that, Father, you'll help us to set a standard with your help and God, to hold to that standard. Give us wisdom. God, to evaluate and God, to ask hard questions of the people we're dating. God, help us to guard our integrity, our character, our sexuality. God, help us to maintain it as something beautiful. God, a gift we want to give our spouse on our honeymoon. Father, help us, God, to establish in our lives and in the lives of our children healthy dating habits. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees, said amen, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Listen, next week, week four, be here for marriage. God bless you guys.